Do you want to hear about the strange dream or do you want to hear me talk about the dartboard thing? Well, I usually hate hearing about other people's dreams. It's one of my least favorite things that people do. But let's give it okay. a shot. Maybe this will be the time. Okay. Well, I'm not describing a dream to you, but okay. So okay. do you ever have really, really strange dreams and then wake up and try to write them down? Oh, okay. Uh, um, yeah, I've tried that. Yeah, sure. I feel like pretty much everyone has tried to do that. And I think one of two things happen. Either you sort of bend the dream to make it make sense on the paper. So you sort of simplify things or you just kind of imbue a little bit of reality into it in order to get it down on the paper. Or you simply cannot do it. You, you can't write it down because it's so strange. Like weird dreams are this combination of, I don't know, weird visual phenomena and sounds and feelings and just weird things like you you see faces but you don't really see faces or you hear things and you understand them but they weren't actually auditory like yeah. dreams are very strange it was me but it wasn't really me kind of thing yeah it, it's yeah. really really weird and completely indescribable so i think why that is is because our thoughts and the way our brains work do not inherently uh, blend into reality. Like the, the thoughts we have do not have to have to follow the rules of the material world. Okay. And we take that for granted. When, when we're walking around in our normal everyday lives, we think that our thoughts make sense, that they are logical, that they, they have some substance to them. And, and a lot of times they do. But we kind of just take that for granted. Like our brains, when we're sleeping and, and we have these dreams, there's nothing really spectacular about that. It's the same brain. It's the mm -hmm. same type of thoughts. It's just without the rules that the material world sort of puts them in. So they're out of order and they're strange. Um, but really, our brains work like that all the time. So we are very capable and will definitely have thoughts and feelings and things will happen in our mind that do not translate to reality. And I, that's, I think, what I want to talk about today. Okay. Uh, so I'll be along for the ride because this is not something that I've ever really even considered. So don't expect a lot of deep insights out of me, but I 100% agree with you. I'm on board. I think you're exactly right that uh, the, the dreaming mind kind of represents a little bit of our kind of inner workings, I guess. And I'm, I know, at least for me, if somebody were to somehow put a microphone in my head and I didn't know it, and you listen to what was going on in my mind as I walk around, it would be horrifying and totally nonsensical it would be the same things over and over in a loop it would be all kinds of strange disconnected ideas and thoughts and yeah i'm with yeah, you well i don't totally know where this conversation is going to go i mean it, it's weird i started thinking about this recently but okay a really simple explanation of this or, or just a simple example and i told you this before but imagine you're at a dartboard. You're standing in front of a dartboard and you're holding a dart. And you look at the bullseye and you think about how you are going to throw this dart and you're going to hit the bullseye. You think about how your arm is going to move, exactly what time you're going to let it go. You factor in the wind resistance or whatever. You think about every single thing you possibly can. And in your mind, you are completely convinced that you are going to hit the bullseye. Yeah. So then you throw the dart and it completely misses the dartboard. It doesn't even hit the wall behind it. It goes in some corner and hits your cat or something. Sure. Um, the cat's fine. But you have completely missed. You were completely wrong. Everything you thought about did not equal you hitting the thing. Um, and, and that's because what is, what is available to you in the conscious mind or, or all of the things you think 
are included in an action like that are not all of the things that are important or that exist. And so you can be so far off in your thinking that when you actually go to do the thing, it, it's totally wrong. Um, so that's an, another way of thinking about, about this. Okay. Um, I, I think that example kind of resonates with me a little better. I think I get where you're going. Uh, because that phenomena, I'm not exactly sure how to, what to call it or how to break it down yet. Uh, that is probably the biggest problem that I run into, at least outside of the emotional issues and whatnot, around recording and releasing uh, YouTube content, like theory videos and that kind of stuff for my channel, in that I will... I'll, I'll pick a topic or a thing that I want to turn into a YouTube video, music theory stuff, and I'll think about it and I'll, I'll kind of, I'll feel like I have it figured out. Like, yeah, this is going to be awesome and hilarious and clever and everything. And I'm going to record this thing and people are going to love it. And then when I go to sit down to actually do it, I realize that I haven't imagined all of the details that go into creating this thing what i've imagined is myself doing a cool youtube video it's like i've fantasized about this scenario where i've released this thing and it's awesome and i've imagined these clever lines that go in there and these little snapshots of uh, this is going to be a great explanation for this thing. But I haven't actually pictured all the details. I don't really know what I'm going to say. I don't even necessarily have a real structure that flows from one logical thing to another. It's like I've fantasized about having done it. Or to put it differently, it's as if... Like imagine yourself being this amazing songwriter and writing all these amazing songs and playing them in front of a crowd of people who love it. You can picture that. But you can't picture the song itself. You like you aren't hearing that in your head because if you could, then you would be an amazing songwriter and have all this amazing music. Like you're kind of skipping the actual thing and getting this higher level sort of fantasy thing. I don't know if that's exactly what you're saying with the dartboard no, analogy, it is. but okay. All right. Yeah, that's exactly right. And yeah, now I want to go in all these different directions. Um so the reason why I'm bringing this up is because I ran into that same problem of, okay, okay so I, I finished my, my first painting and I make a video of it and I put that out there and whatever. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I'm in it now. You know, this is it. And then it's like, okay, I'm just going to plan out the next 10 years and I'm going to, you know, this is what I'm going to do, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so I start working on like this big storyline. I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm going to do... You know, I'll sketch out like a hundred different paintings and then, you know, whatever. I had these huge ambitious plans of, oh, I'm going to do, you know, I want all the paintings to connect in this giant story arc, whatever. So I'm thinking about all this big picture stuff and I'm getting so excited about it. And I'm just, it's like all I can think about for, I don't mm -hmm. know, a couple of weeks or a month or whatever. And I'm just, you know, writing stuff down and whatever. And then I'm like, okay, now it's time to start my next painting I have, you know, I've got to start it. I've thought enough about this big stuff, but I feel so confident. I'm thinking, oh, I, I got this. All I got to do is start drawing stuff out. So I sit down and my plan was, okay, I'm going to storyboard, you know, the next 20 paintings or something, just so they all can connect. And, and then I sit down to draw and I just have nothing. Like there, there's just absolutely nothing there. And I'm thinking, how could this be? Because I've thought about all this stuff. It felt right. It felt good and whatever. Why do I have nothing? And, and so I started running into all of these holes in my ideas and all of these problems that I did not consider when it was just idea form. And I realized that I was just completely wrong. Like, I can't do it that way. Um, I'm, you know, this is specific to me, but there were so many things missing and I think I failed to think through all of the visual stuff. You know, painting is a visual thing. Yeah. So you can't just think of feelings and a story and whatever, like that all sounds great. And you think, 
that it suggests certain visual things. But then when you go to actually draw it, you're like, oh, I have no idea what I'm doing. I was I was just completely unprepared for that. And it, it kind of sent me into this spiral of, oh, God, <laughs> I can't do this. I don't know what I'm doing. So that's where this kind of came from is the thoughts and the feelings that I had were just off. Like I missed the dartboard completely. It, it was just, oh, God, I'm totally off. Yeah. Um, and, and what I realized was that I needed to play with stuff that is actually directly in front of me right now. And just to give an example of that, uh, one of my friends, I've been bugging him for a very long time to make to make YouTube videos or to, you know, work on his own art or, or whatever. And he, he just never really did it. And then recently he's like, you know what? He never really made YouTube videos before, not art videos. Anyway, he, he finally made like one live stream, like super low key, just chill live stream of like an hour of him just sketching stuff. And after that, beforehand we had you know brainstormed all this stuff that he could do and it was just like you know these big ambitious ideas whatever he just never did any of it um but he does this one like chill live stream and then after that he's like oh maybe i could do this and i could do that and we're like oh yeah maybe you could do this type of video and this type of video and all of a sudden all of these opportunities open up and they're all yeah. real like they are things that he can do today or yesterday like so many things open up um, whereas before everything was in ideal world where nothing actually makes sense until you start to see it happen right in front of you. And so that's what I keep thinking about. And so I've, I've finally made some progress not to jinx myself, which I always seem to do whenever I talk about me succeeding at something, but I've started mm -hmm. to make some process progress because I've realized that I have to see it. If I want to do a painting with, you know, a, a person in it with doing whatever like I need to do a drawing that shows that and I need to do it right now I need to stop fantasizing about it and idealizing it and just get it on the page and then I can see what's wrong with it I can see where it needs to go I can start editing from there um and so yeah so you're talking about your your painting process like do you mean that you're thinking about a future painting and having to change the way you think about it. Like you're now trying to turn I'm, that into this concrete process. I'm doing what you said you do with your videos, which is you think about yourself uh, describing this thing perfectly, whatever. And you, you have it in the bag, like you're, you're done with it in your mind. Yeah. And then you go to do it and you're like, what the hell? Like, what is all the, how do you even talk? Like, what's going on because there's so much yeah. that you missed and so in my head i'm thinking oh i'm going to do a painting about this feeling or this situation or whatever and i got it like i'm done in my head it's a success and then i go to sketch it out because it needs to be a concrete thing and there's nothing there like the the things that i thought made it successful in my mind did not exist i, I mean they were a ghost so i was just chasing these feelings. And so I've started to realize that the more ambitious, the more excited you are about an idea, the more likely it is that it isn't real. Uh, if you're excited about a thing that you have done already, that's different. But to be excited about something that you haven't done yet, there's a big chance that it just isn't real. So here's a pretty awful example of that. So I did my first back in the game YouTube music theory video uh, I think it was about a month ago and you know whatever wasn't perfect but got it done which was pretty big for me and so I'm immediately thinking okay got to get the second one lined up let's build some momentum get this going and so I'm thinking about my second video and it was supposed to be on or it's going to be on uh more of this kind of physics of sound type of thing trying to describe some of the really fundamental stuff about how sound waves propagate through air and how you construct them and all this stuff anyway i'm thinking okay two weeks at the latest maybe one week and i'm thinking about right. what i want to yeah for, for your this, next video for oh. the video that i have yet to do and it's been a month right 
So I'm thinking about this and I'm like, oh, this is so easy. I have the process figured out. I know what I'm going to talk about here. And I'm kind of like, I'm taking it so much more casually than I did the first one. Like, I know what I'm doing here. I already did a bunch of research for the first one. That's going to carry over to the second one. Like, it's going to be really simple. You know, I sit down, I'm working on it. And there's these little, like, I don't want to get too into the details because it's not that important, but I'm trying to, I'm thinking about this basic concept in uh, sound waves and this thing that I want to explain about the way sound waves are kind of shaped and the way they're, and the way you hear them and just the, the basic shape of a sound wave, I guess, is the focus. So I'm thinking about this and there's like these little nagging things in my head of, I don't think I understand this little thing, but I'm like, it's fine. It's fine. Like I'll, I'll figure it out. You know, I got, I got time. I'll work that out. There's another little thing. I'm like, ah, this part doesn't really quite make sense to me either. That's nah, fine. I'll figure it out. And so I'm last week, I'm finally have a deadline. Like, okay, I'm going to record on Thursday. So I got a couple days to really nail this down and then I'm going to do the recording. So as I'm starting to work it out, I realize that my fundamental assumption about this entire thing is totally wrong. I just have this misconception in my head and I've been running on that. And literally the entire topic, the entire theme of this video is wrong and I have to completely rethink it. And I'm so angry at myself for this because it had been staring me in the face since the very beginning. And I, at somehow, while like I somehow I'm I'm thinking that I'm making progress on this, that I'm getting closer and closer to a final draft, even though what I have is totally wrong and made no sense and needs to be completely scrapped and reworked because it feels so stupid in retrospect, but it it was a I think a phenomenon that that you were describing is that I'm picturing kind of a fantasy here it's not really rooted in reality if i had actually sat down and worked out parts of the outline and looked at what i really wanted to say or maybe even rehearsed it i would have run into these walls of hey wait a minute this doesn't make sense let's figure it out and very quickly it would have been oh no that's not how sound waves work this is totally off time to re-roll so I don't know. Don't be like me. That really sucks. I well, of all the we've talked about lots of things and I think to give ourselves any credit here, I'd say that the thing that's been the most valuable to me out of our podcast has been giving names to something, like trying to trying to call out a phenomenon and identify it, give it a name and kind of leave that into in your head in the future when you go about your life doing things like the novelty problem the way you get so excited about things and then you kind of burn out weeks later and the how important that thing feels completely changes just because of the time spent that's one example of many that we've talked about that has just really stuck with me like oh this is a thing i recognize this now i know that when i get excited about something i have this window of novelty excitement to really explore it get it installed as a permanent habit because once that's over it's over so this phenomenon i i would really like to get this baked into my head a little better where i can recognize when i'm thinking about the fantasy version of something rather than actually really looking at at what i'm doing and whether it really makes sense or not yes you know, when we were talking in Portland, I think, you know, I I intuitively knew this, that, that if you think about something too long, you run the risk of it not only never happening, but it, it just not making sense. So when we were talking in Portland uh, about these videos that you wanted to do, mm-hmm. a, a red flag or a, a red flag kind of went off and it was just oh yeah, you need to do this right away. Like you need to make these videos immediately. Yeah. Um, otherwise it's going to go into the the area of the mind where it's just at this weird fantasy level where it's just unattainable. It's this thing that you think about, but you never actually do. So 
and then you spun it on me and made me do my video as well. But um, I think that you you should not trust your ideas, especially if they're very exciting and ambitious. Yeah. Uh, you need to prove them immediately, like as soon as you possibly can, prove it. Like, get it down, start it. Like, that's the only way to to make sure that it it is actually grounded in reality. Because our our, our brains will just run wild with no checks, no nothing to check against, nothing that's telling it no. That doesn't make sense. They just run wild with these ideas, and they will pick up all the stuff. They just kind of snowball with all all of the thoughts that feel good, mm -hmm. and they'll just take off. Um, okay, so here's an, an aspect of this that I think is interesting. Um, back when I was writing a lot of music, long, long time ago, I had exactly what you described. I had this fantasy in my head of the types of music I wanted to write, the type of songwriter I wanted to be. I had this whole image in my head. Um, which seemed to develop over time, but at the beginning, it wasn't really like that. It was, I play music, I, I perform in front of people often, and then I write songs and it's fun. Like, that's just a thing that I did. But then I stopped performing places and I just started focusing on my own stuff, just sort of alone in a room. And the fantasies took over and the idealizations just kind of ran wild. Started imagining myself as this amazing songwriter and that I wrote amazing songs. And then every time I tried to write a song, it turned out bad. Um, and I didn't like them or they would all sound the same or whatever. And all mm -hmm. I did then was just write music. And I kind of stopped. Oh, I, I either wrote music or thought about writing music. But I kind of stopped learning new things. And I stopped playing around with stuff. Um, and then I kind of got fed up at one point. And one day I decided, okay, screw it. I'm not writing anything. I'm going to learn a Beach Boys song on guitar, and I'm going to learn this Elton John song on piano. So the whole day, that's what I did. And it was really fun. And then after that, I started, you know, just messing around, no expectations, no nothing. I start messing around with some of the Beach Boys chords from the guitar, and I start playing them around, you know, messing around with them on piano in sort of the style of Elton John, um, and I wrote one of, uh, it's not like a spectacular song, but it was one of my favorite songs that I've written. It's not even finished, but I listened to it just the other day and I'm like, Jesus, this was actually good. Like, I'm proud of this. I, I still like this 15 years later, whatever. Yeah. And it just came from playing around with what was actually in front of me. I took a thing that I knew and I mixed it with another thing that I knew. Zero fantasies involved and I wrote a song and I think that that's kind of the secret um is to it it's as if you can only understand things that you've done before like only actually really understand things that you have experienced before in some way otherwise it's just a theory it's just a thought it's not based in reality at all but when you have something in front of you you can see how you can bend that to fit something else. You can see how this combined with this equals this. And I, I think that's extremely important or, or at least very interesting to me. Um, and, and okay, here's another example. The, that painting I did with the dead squid, whatever. I started the, that the white thinking, elephant. yes, the white elephant. Um, anyway. I did that painting, zero expectations, not even thinking that I could finish it, whatever. Okay, I'm not going to say anything bad about it. Um, Good job. I, but I just did this with no fantasies for the painting itself. I did it, whatever. I finished it, put it out there. And then, you know, people liked it, whatever. And I really enjoyed the process of, of putting it out there. And it was fun. And then you're like, oh, now that I have a painting, I can turn it into prints. I can... I could make other products. I'm not going to, but I, I could do all of these other things. And then our sister, uh, Eileen, suggested that maybe I talk to some museums in, in St. Augustine. The, the, the painting is kind of based on the St. Augustine monster, um, which is awesome. But um, 
so she suggested maybe I talk to some of those museums or, or places around there and maybe I could exhibit there and then sell prints from the places, yeah. whatever. All of these all of these other opportunities start opening up. And that kind of excitement and, and, and those kinds of thoughts are really good and they're also completely based in reality. So looking back on something you've done and then pushing it forward, that's healthy. Thinking about, see, and then I did the opposite for my next painting, thinking, okay, this has to be amazing. It's got to fit this. It's got to, it's got to hit all these or check all these boxes. And then it's just, oh, I, like I'm totally lost. I'm just in this weird world that's completely unchecked by reality. And so trying to see the difference between thinking ahead and feeling ambitious and looking behind at what's been done. The looking behind is actually the, the correct one. And, and what I mean by that is if I get a drawing on the page, then I can see how it needs to be better. The longer it stays in my head, the less likely it is to actually make any sense at all. Yeah. Okay. A couple of things. Uh, so we have a checklist of things that we kind of run through whenever we start the podcast. And <laughs> I'm not saying that we're amazing podcasters or anything but i can say that i think we've come a long way since the beginning where things were really rough if you think the podcast is mediocre now you should have seen it at the beginning <laughs> one of the things that we ran into is that what the, the style of podcast that we do is actually a little bit uncommon in that it's not an interview style uh we try and take a specific topic and reflect on it independently and then come together and just have this mutual conversation about it. And the, f the biggest problem that we ran into right away, I mean, you can hear this in the early episodes and you can't hear it in all the episodes that we threw away because they were literally unlistenable. But the problem that we would run into is what we would call uh, talking past each other where we both have something to think about it could be a big broad topic like procrastination or it could be something more specific it didn't really matter we would both think about this thing do our own research you know try and kind of outline whatever points we had that we wanted to make have these little stories in our heads and everything then we come together to have this conversation and it would it's like we both had this script in our minds that each like each script had no knowledge of the other so it's these two different scripts that are somehow supposed to work at the same time and so you would say something and it would be some scenario some story open or ends with some kind of question and i would just go yeah i was thinking about this thing and then i would just kind of do my thing and then you would go uh-huh and then here's this other story I had thought about last week that I'm going to tell right now, no matter how incongruent it is. That was the, the biggest thing we ran into. And it took us quite a while to try and work this out a little bit of, we can't share too much information beforehand. You know, that was one solution that we had in mind was, okay, well, let's just tell each other exactly what we're thinking. We'll almost kind of rehearse before we actually record. And that way we kind of know what to expect and we're, we're sort of on the same page. But then you would lose all of the spontaneity and the authentic reactions and everything. You, know, you would tell a joke and I would have to pretend that I think it's funny because I knew it was coming. And then you don't tell the joke as well because you know I've already heard it. All that stuff would happen, right? So that didn't really work out as an explanation. Um, <laughs> but I don't know. We, we, we went back and forth and iterated on this quite a bit and we still are. But what we kind of settled on was that we have to have a very basic understanding of what we want to talk about. We, we communicate some basic points, some open-ended questions, just sort of a, a very rough outline. And then we both have to kind of think about it to the right level where if it's too rehearsed, if you spent too much time thinking about what you're going to say, then you wind up trying to shoehorn in all of these things that you've thought about so hard. You aren't able to really listen to the other person and respond spontaneously and authentically. Like if you say something funny, I want to actually laugh at it in the way that I normally would, uh, not just be thinking about the thing that I'm about to say. 
So it, it basically turned into two separate points on our checklist that we always run through every time before we, we start the podcast. One is don't have a secret agenda. You're not allowed to have some direction that you're going to try to force things to go. You know, maybe it goes that way. Maybe it doesn't, but you, you can't try and make that happen. And then the other is it's not going to go the way you imagined it. And of all of our little mantras and things, that's my favorite. The podcast is not going to go how you imagined it. You need to be ready for that. And that's another one of those things that's just kind of stuck with me in my life. I don't know that we've really even talked about it, although I guess this this podcast kind of counts. Yeah. But as somebody who has, as I've said before, suffers from uh, pretty bad social anxiety to a much lesser degree now than I used to, but even still, sometimes like things will get in my head. You know, I, I have a half mile walk to the coffee shop I kind of know the barista. I know that that moment is coming where I order coffee and they're going to make it for me. And there's this little moment of needing to make conversation or sitting there in silence, not making conversation. And I'll just like think, okay, well, I'm going to ask him about this and make this comment. And I'll sit there and like rehearse this in my head and I'll go in there. And then it's like the context is wrong. And it doesn't really make any sense, but I'll just sort of blurt out this thing that I had already thought about. And it's like, oh, yeah, I guess so. Like, it was supposed to be a joke, but it's not funny at all. That kind of thing. And so trying to remind myself that it's like it's not going to go how you imagined it. You have to keep your mind open and responsive to whatever actually happens and be in the moment rather than trying to stick with whatever was in your head. So anyway... Uh, this isn't necessarily the same thing that I think you're describing, but I think it is an aspect of the problem where if you spend a lot of time in your head fantasizing about something, painting, song, video, anything, then you wind up in this state where you've overthought about it, you've over fantasized, and then reality inevitably does not match up. And you wind up not really being able to see what's in front of you and respond and react and think about what is actually there because you have this fantasy in your head and you're kind of trying to force things in that direction or you just aren't paying attention in the way that you should to what's actually there. Okay, so I might not be able to describe this correctly, but I'm going to try. Cool. I think it's kind of interesting. I think creators, or really anyone, I'll kind of go with the creator route. Uh, someone who writes music or makes art or whatever, makes a thing. We put a lot of a lot of importance or we put the priority on like the the thoughts we have, like the amazingness of the music that we want to create yeah. or the amazingness of the art that we want to create. But the thoughts and the feelings that we have before we make it, it's almost as if that's where the priority goes. At least for me, that's very much the case. But imagine, and this is where it gets weird. Imagine two twin brothers, okay? They're, they're twins. They're completely identical, okay? Yeah. Their brains are exactly the same. Everything about them, they're clones of each other. They're, they're twins. They're exactly the same. Now well, imagine one of... might take offense to this, but... Okay, well, this is, a, this is a special set of twins. All right. They are identical. Okay. <laughs> These are two clones, whatever. One of them spent, their, spent many years playing music. The other one has spent zero time playing music. Okay. They have the exact same type of thoughts, right? Okay. One of them, you know, might think about music more or whatever, but they have the same feelings, the same emotions, the same types of experiences. They, they experience life in the same way. So their thoughts and their feelings are equal, 100% equal. So the thing that sets them apart is not the prioritizing of the thoughts, because they are the same. 
but the one that plays music, the thing that makes him special is his practice of translation from those thoughts into a musical uh, language, into a musical world, into the, the musical rules that exist in our material world. Okay, so it's not the feelings beforehand, though they are important, of course. But in fact, the, the more important thing is the translation of those, the ability to move feelings and thoughts into the music realm. That to me is very interesting and kind of weird because it's not really how I typically think about it. Um, I put so much emphasis on the feeling beforehand. But the important thing is actually the, the act, the ability to, to carry out those feelings and those thoughts into, in, into a thing that is not the same as the substance of your thoughts. I, I told you this would be weird. No, but I'm actually pretty on board. We, we completely take it for granted that music, that art, that, that writing, a stories, language, all of that, we think that it is naturally the same as the way we think. Right? I mean, for the most part, we kind of just see it that way, I guess. Mm -hmm. But music is an estimation of certain things we feel or think. It's this weird world that I don't think anyone totally understands. But music is sort of this expression or this conjuring of feelings or thoughts or whatever. It's really weird. But it is not the exact same as the thoughts you have beforehand or the feelings you have beforehand. Language is a created thing. It was, it's an estimation of the thoughts we have. And that's why some things are so hard to explain. It's because language it, it's, it's different. It's a, it's a different thing than your, than your actual thoughts. It's just like the dream. Actually yeah. translating some dreams is impossible because it doesn't fit the rules of language. And art is just visual. Or, or okay, some people are going to get all pissed off at that. Art can be anything, I guess. But yeah. the type of art I do is a visual medium. It's, it's a thing, but it, it has its own rules and its own its own rules, its own little world. And you have to adhere by those rules if you want it to make sense in, in that world. But the thoughts I have beforehand, that weird dream I have when I wake up, the strangeness of the human brain and the subconscious and, and the conscious mind and just the weirdness of the human existence, it is its own thing. And without putting the actual translation, the act of moving those thoughts into a different language like music, art, or, or language itself, without the focus being on that transfer, like the skills you need to be able to do that and the actual doing of it, if you put the priority in your head, then it stays in your head. But if you put the priority on the connection between those two worlds, that's where things actually start to happen. Does this make any sense? Okay, so here's what this made me think of. Have you ever seen Julian Smith, a, a YouTuber? Is that is that the really funny guy with the? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, <laughs> I think you you showed me him. I surely I did. He's my the the original classic Julian Smith YouTube videos. He's not just my favorite YouTuber. There is something spiritual about watching these stupid videos. I can't He's describe amazing. it. Yeah, it is. It is next level. He achieved something that I have yet to see on YouTube anywhere else. So there's one of his famous ones is Hot Kool-Aid. And it's a skit. It's like a little short. Uh, and it's this guy who makes hot Kool-Aid. And he's trying to get his friend to drink it. And he's like, drink my hot Kool-Aid. The other guy's like, no, I don't want that. It's like, no, drink my hot Kool-Aid. And it's just several minutes of this and it gets really intense and eventually the guy tries his hot kool-aid and it's perfect it couldn't be better it's again it is it is beyond comedy it's a spiritual 
enlightening experience to witness the perfection that is Julian Smith's videos. But you look at the idea, if I pitched you that idea, like, hey, I want to spend a lot of money and a lot of time, like really investing a whole bunch of energy, whole film set, everything into this idea I have. The idea is that I'm going to make hot Kool-Aid and try to get you to drink it. And you're going to say, no, what do you think? You're going to go, that's not that funny. That's not a great idea. But something about the commitment to it, the execution, everything just makes it amazing. Another one is uh, a guy eating all the waffles. He has 12 waffles and there's none left. He's like, well, I want, I want 12 waffles. I want 12. And his friends are like, well, I want some. That's it. That's the skit. And again, it's perfect. <laughs> I think to me, that's just, well, the Julian Smith videos are an example of so many things just taken to perfection, but I think it, I think it exemplifies what you're describing, which is it's not necessarily the idea itself. A, a, a lesser comic, a lesser filmmaker would think of some elaborate thing that's complex and has twists like some some really really funny joke quote unquote to that, that they're gonna put on screen but julian smith just takes something incredibly simple and just executes it so amazingly well that it just turns into magic and i think i don't know that's just that's the perfect example to me of i think what you're describing well, I was listening to this, uh, well, the David Lynch masterclass. I think I've talked about it before, but he, he mm -hmm. was talking about, you know, finding ideas and, and it's very important to write down your ideas. And, and he talks about ideas for a long time, but then he, he says, and then it's important to think about the medium in which you're going to execute that idea. And that just struck me as kind of odd. And I was like, oh, that's kind of strange. That's a weird way of putting it because it suggests that this idea takes place outside of a specific medium, which means you have the idea, but you don't know if you're going to turn it into a film or a music album or a painting or whatever. And that's kind of strange. That means the idea exists outside of those things. And then, you know, once you choose a medium, you have to translate it. This weird, mm -hmm you know, jelly-like substance of an idea in your brain, you have to change that from the weird human thought that it is into an exact medium, like a film or a song or a painting. That translation is why you build skills. It's why you practice things. It's why you actually do things. And um, I don't know, I'm just separating an idea from the actual execution from it is... I don't know. That's just not something I've ever really thought about before. But since kind of coming to this conclusion or this realization, I've just, as much as I can, as soon as I have a thought like, oh, I think in my painting, this should happen. Well, I try to draw it. Like I try to prove it as quick as I possibly can before it ends up in fantasy land that doesn't make sense. So, and and it's so refreshing to just like, instantly try to prove yourself. I, I've heard people talk about, you know, these, these giant film scores or the, or not film scores, big, uh, orchestrations that they, they, these big compositions that they want to compose these huge songs. And they talk about it like, Oh yeah, it's going to be so loud at this point. It's going to be quiet. It's going to have like soft piano and then it's going to be amazing. And then it's going to be, you know, incredible. And it's going to change the world. But they never sit down at a piano and start to play the damn thing. They just, they have this thing in their head. But what should happen is as soon as you start having those thoughts, you sit down and you play it like immediately. And you prove to yourself that your idea is actually correct. And then from there, you build, you build on it. You're, I think your thoughts and the act itself should be married together in that you are thinking and fantasizing while you are playing piano. That's where you come up with, well, not always, but those two things should be completely united. Um, 
years ago, I was reading this book on, um, it's a very old book on drawing from memory. And it, it was incredible. But um, he, he talks about, okay, let's say you want to draw this, this, this castle or something. You're standing in front of a castle. And he says to look at it and just kind of, you know, feel it, look at it, whatever. But then, you know, you, you want the feeling there. You want to, to remember the experience and you want to know what that feels like. But, but then what you do is you, you don't just look at it really hard. You mentally paint it in an exact medium. Like you go through every single step that you would actually take in order to recreate that castle on the page or on the canvas. You go through every action. You think through it in very concrete, solid terms. And then you go home and you do that exact thing. And I've, I've done similar things like that. And that seems to be like the only way that it really works in that your thoughts are thinking in exact, concrete, material world ways. So that instead of thinking of an epic song, you are thinking of specific chords, specific notes, like actual real world things that you are going to do. So when I'm thinking of, you know, making my next painting, I need to be thinking in terms of stuff that is real, not just abstract feelings. I need to be thinking of things that I have done before that I understand, real experiences that I have, real stuff, and, and, and change. That's what we do when we talk. We actually, most of us think in words and we think, I mean, we will think through a sentence before we say it. I don't always succeed at that, but I mean, you know, you're thinking in words most of the time, like, because we do it constantly. We're always in the practice of thinking and then talking. Some of us should think a little longer, but, but we are constantly, as humans, we're constantly having to practice that, that thing, the translation from thought mm -hmm. to language, thought to language. So it goes back and forth so much that they become married together and they exist like that in your head. And if you're, if you're a musician, you should be thinking in concrete notes, like real notes, not just abstract feelings. If I'm doing art, I need to be thinking in real materials, actual mediums, real compositions, like things that I can recreate. And they need to be so closely tied that, that, that those weird thoughts are grounded in reality. Does that, does that make sense? Yeah. And actually that, I think we've talked about this a bit uh, quite a while ago, talking about language and learning language and whatnot. But the fact that virtually everyone is so good at talking is something that we hardly ever reflect on, but it's kind of incredible if you think about it, where Typically, unless there's some kind of developmental problem or something unusual going on, pretty much everybody learns to speak very fluidly. I mean, in their in their native language, uh, to the point where they can communicate all kinds of things, not just by the literal words, but by tone and timing and everything. They can convey humor, you know, create misdirection. Uh, cause the person to kind of realize unexpected things and to laugh like just people's ability to speak is amazing it's actually incredible and we just accept that oh yeah that's normal we don't even think about it because that's just the thing that happens and it's presumably because everybody just does it all the time where if you've grown up where you're constantly in a position to have to talk, then you you just do it. You know, you you don't spend years and years thinking about what you're gonna say when you one day finally do decide to open your mouth and how great it's gonna be and you're practicing and doing drills. No, you're just you're doing it all the time and you get really good at it. I don't think it's often appreciated how good people are at talking, especially if you compared uh the speech with let's say improvising on a musical instrument which i personally i think is very similar in many ways where you're you're taking things that you know and sort of combining them in different ways and being expressive and everything 
I really think it's a very similar process. And for someone to be as good at improvising on an instrument as they are at talking, like when that happens, we're like, oh my God, they're amazing. They're so, they're this extremely accomplished musician. Uh, but it's rare and it's because I think people don't do it or they go about trying to do it the wrong way. Anyway, I think that's a great example of simply doing that process of constantly, relentlessly trying to make the thing actually happen, like actually doing the translation step from thought to speech inevitably causes people to be really good at it. Yes, some people are better at speaking than others, but you could probably figure that out too, uh, different mental models and experiences and whatnot. So as an artist, if you were to do that process, I assume you would get really good as a musician. I think you'd get really good there too. And I think it's, it's a, it's a simple thing that works for literally everyone or very close to everyone. I don't want to exclude anybody, but, um, but it's that it's that like translation step of here's what I'm thinking or feeling. Here's what's in me. And I'm going to translate it into speech or music or creative writing or whatever. I don't want to push this too far. So unless you have any other big points, maybe we summarize this and, and end it at that. I just, I want to start the conversation of this topic because it, it really interests me. And I think it, it, it's potentially extremely important. So how would you summarize this? I mean, well, I kind of opened it up and tried to explain it. So, yeah. Um, does it have a name? Can we name this? I don't trust your ideas. That is the way I'm thinking of it. Is just don't trust them. Prove them. Like prove your idea. If you think it's good, then prove it. Like immediately. Um, unless you have a catchier thing. Um, no, I don't. Maybe a catchier thing exists. I like the prove your ideas mantra. I think that's nice. You, you can fantasize about things. That's fun. We all like to do that. Be a little careful about getting sucked into the fantasizing about stuff vortex but i like that just you want to think about something cool prove it put it on paper put it on canvas you know write it out whatever but turn it into an actual thing and force yourself through that process really i mean in in some sense just the for normal everyday stuff journaling or writing things out is sort of an example of that process where you've got a bunch of stuff in your head. Maybe it's things you're worried about. Maybe it's things you want to do. Maybe it's ideas you have, but just the simple act of trying to put it on paper forces you to have to turn it into a series of logical things. Kind of like you said with the, you know, trying to write out your dream, you sort of realize that, oh, this doesn't make any sense. I can't put this into language. Like doing that is a way of kind of proving out what's floating around in your head that day. And so I, I think that's one example of that process. But yeah, prove your ideas. I like that. Okay. Get in with that. Okay, cool. Ah, okay. See, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't so bad.